0: good morning this morning i've brought with me one of my favorite pieces of candy let me it's in my pocket Do you know what it is a tootsie roll pop yes a purple tootsie roll a grape tootsie roll pop when i was a kid maybe some of you saw the commercial as well there was a commercial that says how many licks does it take to get to the tootsie roll center I never found that out because I would always bite through uh, the, the candy and never found out. So but, but, so that's something we have to, to test, don't we? Are you, are you willing to test it with me this morning? Tell me the answer next week. But how do you know it's purple? Because you can see it, right? And if you couldn't see it, how would you know that it's round? You could come up and you could, could touch it, couldn't you? But how do you know a Tootsie Roll Pop is sweet? Mm, oh my goodness. Hold on a second. Wow. That is wonderful, delicious, absolutely. You 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 can only know it by tasting it, right? You're going to get a chance to taste one today. I brought one for everyone. Maybe not necessarily a purple. There are purples, but uh, there are some other flavors as well. So can you know something without seeing it or touching it or tasting it? That's our question today because Jesus says in our lesson, he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Let's pray together as we seek God's illuminating grace as we read God's word. Holy God, today as we read your holy word, may your glory and power be made known to us. We are Easter people because Christ is risen. He is alive. And where you live, life and light, freedom and salvation, hope and re- reconciliation break out. Penetrate our lives. Propel us to action. Invigorate our love. All praise and honor and glory be yours now and forever. Amen. Our reading is from the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter. We begin at verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in his book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. After the death of Jesus, the disciples are hiding behind locked doors and locked windows for fear of the Jewish authorities. The disciples have heard that morning from Mary Magdalene that she had seen the Lord, but they seem to easily dismiss her words as fake news. But that evening, suddenly, miraculously, Jesus appears among them and the disciples turn in fear to see who has suddenly penetrated their defenses when Jesus greets them. He says, peace be with you. Their fear turns to jubilation as they see Jesus and as Jesus shows them his hands and his side. One moment, the disciples are reeling in fear. The next, they are jubilant, celebrating with an unrestrained joy. And of course, Mary Magdalene's testimony is vindicated. Yet Jesus' appearance has a purpose beyond assuring the disciples of his resurrection. Jesus calls them. He commissions them to continue the mission that he began to transform the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells them again, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then Jesus does something that that must have seemed rather strange. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But all of this happens without the disciple Thomas being present. Where Thomas is, John doesn't tell us. But when he walks back into that upper room with the others, they tell him, we have seen the Lord. Of course, we don't want to miss that even these words are the same words that Mary had shared. Thomas is rightly skeptical. He's not taking their wild speculation for gospel truth just yet. Thomas may even think that his friends are engaging in some fake news or, or in a prank, and he's out to bust it. The disciples, they, they gather around Thomas. They try the very best they can to convince him that they have seen the Lord, that Jesus is in fact risen, they want to believe for him, maybe in the same way that you have wanted to believe for others, to help them, that, you would, that they would believe, like you, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah and Lord of all. They tell Thomas that they know. They know it was Jesus. Jesus. They've seen the holes in the places where the nails had been driven into his hands. They've seen the place where a Roman spear has put a big gash in his side. But no matter what they say, Thomas will not believe. And he vows unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and I put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. We know Thomas is a thinker. He's a questioner. On the night when he and the other disciples shared a meal with Jesus, what would turn out to be a final meal with Jesus before Jesus' crucifixion and death, Thomas had had pressed Jesus on his statement about where Jesus was going. And it wasn't that Thomas was afraid. After all, Thomas had previously stated that he was prepared to follow Jesus even to a dangerous place. And even if it meant following Jesus meant his own death, he says, let us also go that we may die with him. We might call Thomas a doubter. But Thomas isn't so much a doubter as a legitimate truth finder. He simply wants the truth. That should be something that all of us are seeking. And Thomas doesn't reject the idea of resurrection outright. He simply wants more evidence the same evidence that the other disciples have had and have experienced with the risen Christ. And then a week later, suddenly he has the opportunity. And the pattern repeats itself, doesn't it? Despite locked doors and windows, Jesus stands among them once more. And Jesus seems to know that Thomas has expressed some great skepticism and he offers the evidence that Thomas needs. Jesus cuts to the chase. He tells Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. All objections and resistance and, and Thomas evaporate. And he offers one of the greatest professions of faith found in Scripture. In tears of repentance, relief, and in worship, Thomas drops to his knees, and before Jesus, he exclaims, My Lord and my God. It's a confession of faith. It's been described as the high point of the gospel confessions found in John. Just as Jesus was not done with Thomas, and the other disciples. He's not done with you and me. He says to us, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. The presence of Jesus should be enough for us too, you see. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have come to believe. Jesus is speaking to his audience that evening, but also to all future generations, to you and to me included, about the truth of the gospel. In remembering these words, the gospel writer John is giving us evidence, and he's asking us to believe it. But not just based on the evidence itself, He wants you to believe also because of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Because, you see, the Spirit continues to act as a witness to the resurrection and the ongoing presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord, with us. Yes, with us this morning. He'll go with us when we leave this place. He will Be with us. John wrote his gospel not only to give us evidence for Christ, but also to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. As he puts it later in the text, but these things were written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that through believing you may have life in his name. Ultimately, our belief in the resurrection of Jesus is a matter of faith that is backed by evidence. Yet we mustn't discount the role that doubt, yes, doubt, and questions play in our faith and in our understanding. Eleventh century, Anselm of Canterbury, a monk and a theologian, in his book, Prologian, meaning discourse, wrote in about 1078, he writes about faith seeking understanding. Faith seeking understanding means that faith in God revealed in Jesus Christ prompts a questioning search It prompts a questioning search for a deeper understanding of our faith, not unlike Thomas' own search. As followers of Jesus, we should be pursuing a a greater fullness of the truth of God made known in Jesus Christ. And That's why small groups that meet and study God's word and, and and dive deep and dig deep into God's word are so important to all of us in our faith development. Such seeking and searching and questioning and doubting can make our faith truly come even more alive, even more real as we learn more and more about God's perfect will For our lives, true faith is thinking, it's moving, even changeable. It should grow deeper and deeper in understanding, no matter who we are. Part of our Methodist understanding of the movement of God's grace in our lives is the movement of God's sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is the grace that God pours into our lives after we have already made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. It's after we've already said, we we know you, Lord, and we want to follow you. But it's also about what? Getting to know him better. Continue to be sanctified. This greater understanding Brings us joy. Anselm in his uh, prologian, writes, "I pray thee, O God, let me know thee and love thee, so that I may rejoice in thee." Let me read that again. I pray, O I pray thee, O God, let me know thee and love thee so that I may rejoice in thee. That's the calling that God has placed on our lives. Our rejoicing includes living out our faith, becoming living examples, proving for others that the gospel of Jesus Christ is more than a theory. This resurrection walking is a way of life, but it is the way of life did you know that john's gospel never uses the noun faith or belief it only uses the verb to believe or to trust to believe in believing is an action that one does it's not an option an object excuse me it's not an object that we possess. Thus, those who encounter Jesus and come to believe in him are recognized as his disciples because they see believing in our actions and in our lives. The German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who opposed the Nazis' In Germany, and was killed in a concentration camp for his op- uh, op- opposition, says something similar. He says, Your life as a Christian should make non believers question their unbelief in God. I think that's a great quote. Your life as a Christian, my life as a Christian, should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. That's resurrection walking. So let us show the world what an amazing God we worship. Let us receive Jesus more and more into our lives. And let us reflect Jesus' face through our our words and our actions to everyone that we meet. Now, that's a great way to have life in his name and to celebrate his resurrection. That's resurrection walking. Because you see, the Lord is risen. And he invites you to walk with him. Amen? Amen.